Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Simon Brown, joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening. Chris Reddy from All Weather Capital and independent analyst Jimmy Moyaha. Should you have any, set, be sure to send questions through SMS 41392, email, at stock, email stockwatch at businessbdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Gentlemen, I appreciate coming through this evening. Uh, question not coming through in it, but uh, Jimmy, let's start with you on those PPC numbers. I mean, this was a pandemic darling of the market. Uh, things suddenly got tough. And I'm asking, because of course, uh, last week, uh, Afrimat went and bought Lafarge. <laughs> yeah, um, PPC is not likely to be um, purchasing uh, any billion rand companies at this stage. Uh, I think the, the numbers were um, very much in line with the construction space that we've seen uh, over the last couple of years as well. We, we did see that during the pandemic, they did fare a lot better. But pre-pandemic, sort of 2018, 2019, leading into uh, 2020, the construction space had been suffering for quite some time, and they haven't necessarily recovered at this stage. And PPC's number is quite evident of that as well. Um, revenues coming in marginally higher, if not flat, at this stage. But the, the main concern there is margins are down. Um, earnings, uh, earnings per share, headline earnings per share, that also now widened into a bigger loss as well. So from a business perspective, it looks as though it's, it's one thing to be able to sustain a business, but it's another thing when you have your earnings before interest and tax on your South African business down 26% as well um, for the year. So it, it's not looking the best operationally at this stage. Um, and I wonder to, to that effect, yes, um, it is noted that those revenue numbers were it, it's good to be able to keep in line with previous year's numbers from a revenue perspective. But Operationally, I think there might need to be a, a couple of tweaks that are made from the business and optimization points and that sort of thing. So to their credit, yes, the Zimbabwean business debt free at the stage. They have been able to pay down debt as well as the CEO mentioned. Um, so interest costs coming down as well. But again, from an operations point of view, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say that I would be too happy with the operational performance. I think they're struggling a bit and there's a bit that can be done there. Chris, if we come to you, I mean, operational, I take it, and, and Lafarge certainly has operational issues, and that's one of the things Andreas van Heerden obviously thinks he can fix at Lafarge. He also talked around early indications of maybe some, some green shoots. Uh, is PPC something you're keeping an eye on, or is this still too early and too many operational challenges? No, Simon, it's definitely something that we are keeping a close eye on. I mean, we, we are shareholders in both PPC and Afrimat. Um, I think just it's, from the positives on the PPC result it was good that they were able to get the dividends out of uh, Rwanda and Zimbabwe. Yeah. I think for us, this is a challenge in terms of what's actually happening on the SA side. I mean, I, I still think we've got too much of supply. It was positive to see some imports were down over the period. I mean, that was a function of the of the the um, the weaker rands and then some porch challenges as well. So imports were down over the period, but how long that continues uh, is anybody's guess. And I think some of the questions from the results call as well was that the, the company wasn't getting as much support from government with regards to restricting some of the cement dumping that we're seeing uh, in SA. So currently we've got too much of supply uh, and not enough demand coming through. I mean, there's lots of talk around these infrastructure projects that are supposed to be starting. So there's lots of expectation around that. I think the one positive that Andre's funny had mentioned that the Afrimat uh, invested there last week was that they are seeing some good pipeline coming through from Sandrail. So out of the Western Cape, KZN and even uh, the Nalspreet region, there's quite a bit of pipeline coming through. So hopefully that filters through into some some, some additional cement demand, uh, as well as some of the infrastructure projects 
that are supposed to be kicking off as well. I mean, I think for us, the biggest issue at the moment is just that, so while PPC was able to put through the price increases, we saw the, the negative impact on volumes over the yeah. period. And the, pro and the problem is that the costs are still running ahead of, of revenues at the moment. That's why you saw the margin uh, decline over the period. Gotcha. A question coming through around Monday. Uh, is price fully discounting Rus Russian assets? Is it a buy or wait? Uh, Chris, staying with you for a sec. Monday's divested from Russia, are they not? I seem to remember late last year they got rid of the last Russian assets. Is, is, I mean, is Monday a stock worth having a look at? We, we seem to think so. I mean, I think that it, it does tick the box in terms of some of the RAND hedges. I mean, the balance sheet is quite, yeah. quite strong as well. So it is something that we're keeping a close eye on. I think just the news flow over the weekend as well has everybody talking around what's happening with Russia. But it was quite interesting to see how quickly that actually ended in terms of <laughs> analysts trying to forecast what's going to happen on Monday. But it actually just cancelled before we even got to the yeah. <laughs> to the finish over there. So I think it's always just talks about the challenges of trying to pick macro events in this market. You know, but I think it does take quite a few boxes in terms of a good, strong rand hedge uh, business. And I think that's why. It has been something that we've held over the period uh, as a good diversifier as well to some of the local challenges that we've had. Yeah, Jimmy, I remember I mean, Saturday I'm thinking, should I work out what Russia's going to do? And I had my, my, my smartest thing all of last week, I said, I'll wait until Sunday evening because things are going to change. Well, I mean, did they not change? Jimmy, your take on Monday? Look, I'm inclined to uh, agree with Chris. I think at, the, at this stage, um, as a rand hedge, you, you might want to consider it. But if I'm looking at um, just the performance of Monday, uh, almost wiped out the gains, or actually more than wiped out the gains from April. We're down about seven and a half percent for for the month of May, um, and and so I think the overall thing uh, looking at the stock is I'd probably wager that the the stock could come down a little bit further, maybe into that two sixty range. Um, at this stage, I think there are other areas of opportunity I would probably pursue as opposed to Monty. Monty, if you are holding Monty at this stage um, and looking to sort of average in at a better price, yeah, you've, you've got a good window now from 280 down to, to about 260. I don't think um, the market will be too harsh going below 260 at this stage. Um, but at this stage, yeah, it's anybody's guess as to what decisions that you, you can't make those decisions before the news comes out and you can't make them assuming you know how um, countries like Russia are going to handle their news. So uh, very much anyone's game in that respect. So let's stay with one which is local, which is Thungela. I, I mean, coal prices have come under fairly, fairly serious pressure. They've still got the transnet issues. They are trucking to Richards Bay, Bay Coal Terminal. By accounts, the, the queues of trucks are, are, are tens of kilometers long. Uh, staying with you for a moment, Jimmy. Uh, opportunity there in Thungela. I mean, they're still profitable, I would imagine. But of course, those very chunky dividends might have faded away a little. I think Thungela has been the same story that um, I've uh, my, my stance on the company hasn't maintained, hasn't changed. The company is a great company. Um, they, they're stuck with the problem of too much in stockpiles and an inability to get that stockpile exported or out of the country. And that prevents an inability to realize revenues, realize profits. So the business itself um, is a good business, but unfortunately they are a victim of their circumstances at this stage with the transnet issue not looking like it's going to be resolved anytime soon and the Australian business not necessarily picking up the, the shortfall. I mean, they acquired that Australian business in an effort to say they're going to be able to get coal out from Australia directly into China and that hasn't come to light because Chinese demand hasn't returned. So the macro picture that Tungela is contending with and the fact that, um, as you rightly mentioned, around the, um, the price of coal, I mean, coal prices have halved 
from last year. We saw an average price of north of $300 last year was down to probably about $135 to $150 uh, on average per ton now. And that's not going to bode well for them um, from a pricing point of view, but also, again, slowdown in demand, inability to meet demand if um, Transnet doesn't get it things in order. And if you are meeting demand, you're in, now incurring an increased cost by going by road. I mean, we know that road has cost, uh, I think, miners in South Africa, coal miners in particular, have um, incurred about 500 million plus in coal, in, in transport costs um, since, since Transnet has been unable to deliver. So my concerns around Tungela are the macro environment they're contending with is not something that they can really adjust or do anything about. Yeah, Chris, I mean, that's the challenge of being a price taker, which is what a mining company is. Uh, added to that is, is, you know, those issues with getting it to market. Your thoughts on Fungela? So something that we are keeping a close eye on is in terms of what's happening with natural gas prices internationally. And the second thing is around just this, the, the, the heat waves that we're seeing out of China. So obviously, with this excess heat that's coming through, there's been additional demand for air conditioning and the like, so higher in, uh, energy use coming through from China. We do think that Tungela at current levels does offer some attractiveness to, um, at, the, at the current share price. I mean, there is quite a bit of dividends at the current spot price as well. So, I mean, depending on your, on your, 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 your forecast around what the coal price does, I mean, you could potentially look at between, say, 50 to 60 rand worth of dividends in the current spot price. I mean, given what Glencore is doing with tech internationally as well, I think there is going to be uh, M&A optionality on Tungela at, at these levels. Uh, but I think as Jimmy was pointing out as well, I mean, it does come down to the ability to actually export the coal because any type of acquirer would need stability in terms of the volumes that you can put out. You know, I mean, uh, Tungela's numbers have been continu continuously declining given issues with regards to the coal rail. I mean, we do know that the iron ore rail has been operating a lot more effectively versus the coal rail. But I mean, if we can sort out the volumes exiting SA, I think it can be um, positive for Tungela. So one of those companies that is uh, helping volumes exit SA is Grinrod. Question coming through uh, around Grinrod. No longer shipping, of course. They've got a, a lot happening at Maputo port. Uh, they've got uh, uh, also at the Richards Bay terminal. Chris, uh, opportunity there for, for uh, Grinrod is, as we see, commodity prices have weakened since those, what, highs of two years ago, but in some cases still yeah. looking quite attractive. And, and Grinrod having some good numbers. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with those comments. I mean, if you just look at the, the most recent update as well, the volumes going through the Maputo port were very positive. So I think that is a strong uh, put, uh, positive for, for Grenada over here. I mean, they do seem to be executing across all the other divisions as well. So it is a share that we've got a positive view on. Jimmy, your take on uh, Grenrod? I think the business um, is definitely faring a lot better from their Maputo business over the Maputo region than uh, the likes of Tungela. Um, I think if you're going to look at a stock like this, you need to then contend with a lot more on the on the macro factors. Same with um, Tungela and guys like Exaro and, and, and Goldfields. A anyone that you're looking at in the mining space, particularly in South Africa, as if they are um, dealing with issues that are beyond their control, it doesn't really matter how good the business is. It doesn't really matter how they contain costs, how they run the business and all of that. If they're a function of their environment, it becomes very difficult for them to optimize um, on their environment. And I think Grunrod is well positioned <clears throat> with their offshore exposure to be able to almost hedge against their, their South African problems or the South African exposure that they're contending with.
Uh, question coming through around Invicta. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Results are today not a bad set of numbers, I thought. I mean, all around doing fairly well. Uh, Two-thirds of their revenue now offshore, so they're largely an offshore business. Uh, even Asia kicking in, uh, King Ein coming nicely to the party. The question is quite simply, surely there's great opportunity in this stock. Yeah, I also agree with that point as well, Simon. I think a very strong performance out of the Asia operations. They had some RAND benefits coming through as well, given the weakened, weakened currency over the period. But I think the one, the couple of positive points to pull from the results was that they're seeing a very good order pipeline coming through from their mining operations. I think yeah. that's a good read through for companies actually spending capex in Africa. So I think that's a nice uh, read across for other other companies exposed to the mining sector. And I think also with the buyback as well that they've done with Invicta. I mean, I think we've seen a, sim a similar theme across many of the small caps where the management teams are seeing value in their own shares and they've got a stronger, strong balance sheet to afford them the opportunity of continuing with these buybacks. I think that's it shows good capital allocation uh, from some of these execs. I think overall very strong result uh, for Invicta today. Jimmy, your, your, your take on it. I mean, as Chris said, mining is doing great. The agriculture is quite small in their life these days, not as big as it used to be. Uh, they've, got, they've got a strong looking balance sheet. They must be looking at some acquisitions. Invicta worth putting in a portfolio? I think it is. I think the uh, I'm liking the um, offshore element of it. I mean, we you and I spoke about this last week to say that um, at this current stage, if you've got offshore exposure, uh, hedging against whatever situation we have locally, but also looking at the fact that your your overall macro picture is very much. Um, we don't know whether we're having a recession. We don't know whether people mm -hmm. are going to have inflation levels contained as expected and that sort of thing. And so you, you are looking for a bit of diversification and a bit of um, exposure reduction from whatever whatever you're invested in, whether it's mining or the agricultural space, regardless of that. And in Victor, um, I mean, the share price was up about 4.5% for the day. It was up, up about 5.5% for the month as well. So looking uh, positive from uh, a share perspective, um, I, I think my only caution, my only real uh, concern at this stage is we sort of saw 2022 top out at 35 um, or so, and, and we're sitting at just, just below 30 at this stage. So I'm wondering how much further upside there is, um, and particularly how much further upside there is in the difficult climate that we are in as as a world, as a global economy. All equity markets are, are going through this. I mean, you, you, you start to look at um, guys like Apple that are at all-time highs at about $185, and you're like, how much further is that going to go before it retraces? And I think that's, that's also filtering through to market sentiment as well, is where stocks are well-priced. It, it's not about the stock being a bad stock. It's not about it being undervalued or it trading at a discount or whatever. I think the market is just uncertain. Yeah, well, so we've had six red days in a row in the JC. So yeah, the market is the market is not uncertain. The market is just selling. Uh, <laughs> uncertainty would be sideways. Let's move to some PGA miners. A couple of questions coming through. Uh, the, the one question is uh, firstly just around Sabanya Stillwater, but another question that the PGA miners have been under massive pressure this year. Surely there's some value there. Uh, Jimmy, we'll throw that to you first. Absolutely. Sabanya has been one of my favorite stocks for many, many years. I've given it out numerous times as a stock pick on this show, on other shows. You and I have spoken about it. I think um, where, where Sabanya is sitting at 29 rand a share, there's there's obviously that conversation around, do we come down to 22 rand? What, where's the bottom and where? I think at 29 rand, it's still a good buy. I think if it bounces from 29 rand, I wouldn't be surprised. But the pressure that PGM miners and um, just the mining sector has been under of late is 
significant. And that warrants um, a, a fair assumption to say we could realistically come down to 22 rand. And that would realistically be as a result of um, commodities pricing and not necessarily as a result of Subanya's operations. Again, the, the environment that companies are operating in now is a very constrained and a stressful environment for everyone. Um, I do like Subanya's diversification. I've always liked that they're a diversified miner, both locally and offshore. They've got nickel operations in France. Uh, they're not afraid to pursue acquisitions. I mean, they're, they're looking in the copper space. They're looking offshore and everywhere. So I, I, I still think they're a very good stock, but I'm alive to the fact that at 29 Rand, we can come down to 22 Rand and bounce from there. Chris, you ever preferred in the, in the PGM space or is it a best left alone for now? Sorry, Simon, I just lost you there on the connection. Please repeat. Sorry, do, do you have a preferred in the PGM space in the Platinum Group Metals, or is it a space rather just Lexi when it finds a bottom? Because it has been one-way traffic for the PGM miners so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think longer term, I think this, the market is getting a bit concerned in terms of the growth of uh, EV vehicles coming out of China and what does it mean for, for PGM demand um, uh, medium to longer term coming through here, you know. I think the one common theme was that uh, this expectation was that we were going to have uh, more load shedding going into winter, which is going to potentially restrict supply coming out of SA, uh, which would then boosted, which would have boosted uh, prices, even though we might have had lower volume coming through. But given the majority of the PGMs coming from SA, I think would have been positive for PGM miners. Given that load shedding has been quite uh, well contained over this environment, I think that has been a negative. But I think we have been seeing stats coming through from China and even Europe as well with regards to the significant increase that we're seeing with regards to um, uh, EV uh, vehicles, the demand coming through. I think that is getting uh, investors a bit skittish in terms of just the, the longer term story for, for PGM's uh, demand. Let's move to completely different part of the market, retailers. Question came, uh, ShopRite or Pick and Pay? And I don't know why they haven't put Spa in there, so I'm going to throw Spa in as well. Uh, Chris, staying with you for a sec. ShopRite, Pick and Pay, Spa? I mean, to me it's always been ShopRite, but Pick and Pay and Spa have been beaten down and maybe that opens, offers some, some opportunity. I think there's a, a couple of things to say on that. I mean, having met with the ShopRite team recently on the site visits for the unique clothing brands, mm -hmm. The team just seems to be executing very well across all fronts. You know, if you just look at the market share gains that they're getting across the various formats, whether it's ShopRite, uh, Checkers, YouSave, uh, even 6060 on the e-commerce platforms, I think there's, there's, there's a strong argument to make that ShopRite deserves the, the, the multiple that it trades on as long as you're getting the growth drivers uh, still coming through. And I think if you just look at ShopRite longer, uh, short to medium term, you're going to be getting the mass smart acquisition coming through in the numbers. So that's, that acquisition happened um, towards the back end of last year. Expectation is that the business will break even by June this year and then start contributing positively, positively after June. So you're still getting the growth coming through from ShopRite. The volumes are still there as well. Um, so I, I, I mean, I, our thinking is that if you just look at the pricing as well of ShopRite, I mean, it does seem as if they are cheaper than their peers. So we're expecting market share gains to continue from ShopRite. I think that is the key concern that investors have got with regards to pick and pay and spa, where the core SA business is actually um, struggling against the increased competition, mainly in the form of uh, ShopRite. I mean, the balance sheet is still very strong. Uh, so that allows them the CapEx uh, to continue gaining market share in this environment. You know, so I mean, the preference is still ShopRite over the other two. I mean, there's a, there's a potential value argument to make 
with yeah. with pick and pay and and spa. Pick and pay uh, spa does have some optionality in terms of what they're going to be doing in Poland. But even even in that case as well, if you look at the operating margins of both pick and pay and spa, it doesn't really give you a lot of margin of safety, depending on what whatever happens with load shading going forward. I mean, so we just think the the quality play is obviously Shoprite uh, versus the other two. Yep, they, they, exactly my thinking. Or it has been Jimmy. Do you concur, or are you going to go with a, a pick and pay or a, or a spa? You know what? Um, I. I... <laughs> I think th this conversation is becoming harder and harder as the years go because ShopRite more and more is turning into almost the blue chip of the three and it, it's worlds ahead of its yeah. competitors from a value chain point of view, from <clears throat> a supply chain and how they've streamlined um, everything across their value chain and what they're doing in Africa and all of that. It's a very difficult case to beat ShopRite on price, on value on everything at this stage. Um, I do like the fact that pick and pay right now at the current price that it's at um, below 40 Rand represents um, a bit of a potential, it's a slightly bigger upside. I mean, if you look 40 Rand up to 60 Rand potentially for pick and pay versus ShopRite, you're at 225 up to, you, you might find a bit of resistance around 250-ish, maybe 260-ish. Um, from a value point of view, from a company point of view, ShopRite wins by quite a big margin at this stage for me. They've, they've really done a lot in the last couple of years. But if you're looking at which share price looks more attractive at this stage, which one has potential upside gains in the short term, you might find that pick and pay might give you um, those upside gains as well. But I think it's, it's very difficult to argue with the points Chris has made and the points we know about how ShopRite has been able to operate and optimize that operation over the last couple of years. Um, this is why I say I think going forward it's just going to become – that, that gap is going to widen. You're going to see ShopRite is going to yeah. be so much more of a blue chip <clears throat> retailer than um, the likes of Spa that have had governance issues of late that they have resolved, I mean, to their credit. Um, but yeah, that, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, ShopRite is the blue chip. I mean, it, it, it used to be back in the day, pick and pay, but I'm talking way back in the day, like like the 80s and, and, and 90s. Uh, let's go to stock picks. Uh, Chris Reddy, you're picking Redefine. We can redefine things. I mean, I mean, I think just some of the some of the points to pull out from it. We think that redefine at a 14% dividend yield is discounting a lot of the concerns that you've got in the property sector. I mean, the shares almost at a 50, 50 mid 50s discount to NAV. The, they are looking to dispose some assets to try and bring down the gearing levels. But I think if you just look at where bond yields are currently, I mean, the SA 10-year got up to I think close to about just over 12, 12 and a bit percent. It's now pulled back to just under about 11.8. We haven't seen a similar move in our property shares, and we think that just operationally, we, we're seeing some uh, positive numbers coming through in, in terms of vacancies that are declining in, in, these, um, in these divisions, plus uh, the negative reversions that we saw coming through from COVID seems to be abating. Yeah. So we think that there's quite a bit of uh, negativity priced into redefine at these levels. Uh, you're also getting a decent margin over their peers, such as, say, growth points in this environment. So we think uh, 2%, at least 2% over SA government uh, bonds is a, is a decent margin of safety to look at redefine at the current 317, 318 levels. Yeah, it actually reminded me. I, I used to, I mean, we're going way back again. A 2% premium over 10-year government was when you bought REITs. But of course, then for a decade, REITs were at you know, premiums to NAV and discounts to 10-year. And I'd completely forgotten that rule. Jimmy, you're going with uh, Omnia. Some results out last week. Uh, good numbers. Yeah, very strong set of numbers. Uh, I spoke to the CEO last week. Um, 
their plans for expansion and, and ensuring that they're expanding sustainably um, across whether it's the chemicals side of their business, the mining side of their business, their blasting operations. Um, really liking the stock. Uh, last week when the results did come out, we saw that the share price briefly touched 65 rand a share. We're back below 60 rand a share, sitting at about 58 rand a share. I think um, realistically, I mean, down to 54 rand a share, I'd still be quite interested. Anything sort of around 52 or below 50 rand might have me reconsider my decision. But by all accounts, I don't think we'll get that low. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the pick for the moment. We'll leave that there. That's your stock watch for this evening. Thanks to our guest, Chris Reddy from All Weather Capital, going with Redefine, independent analyst Jimmy Moyaha going with uh, Omnia. After this, the closing with, uh, close with Bloomberg. Stay watching. Thank <laughs> you.